seated. So, we are a few weeks into this series on Acts, and we started on Pentecost three weeks ago, and we looked at the passage from Acts 2 that describes the events of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit coming down on the followers of Jesus. And our passage this morning describes what takes place right after God does this. And what happens right after Pentecost is that Peter one of the disciples gives this long, profound speech-slash-sermon. If you remember from the passage um, from Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is described, as Matthew said, flaming tongues of fire. And it comes down on all the believers who were gathered together, and those believers begin to share all the good things and the good news of God to those who were in Jerusalem. And if you'll remember... Pentecost was originally, it was a Jewish holiday. It was a holiday to to celebrate the harvest and and to celebrate God's provision. And so there were Jews who had traveled to Jerusalem from all nations, all kinds of nations who spoke all kinds of languages. And these Jews were able to hear the good news of Jesus through these flaming tongues of fire in their own native tongue. And of course, we talked about this a little bit. The people reacted differently. Some were amazed and they wanted to know more. I mean, I mean, these are simple fishermen. And they're suddenly speaking all these different languages. Others dismissed it all and tried to explain away. And as Peter addressed, some even said the disciples were drunk. And because of this, Peter, he stands up, he gets up to speak, and he not only is defending himself and defending the disciples, but he's trying to explain, what, what is all this? He's trying to explain what it all means. Now, in one sense, it's complete, It's not unusual at all that Peter is the one getting up to speak. Peter was the unofficial spokesman and leader of the 12 disciples. Uh, of course, Jesus is the leader, but among the 12, Peter was kind of the unofficial spokesman and leader of the 12. When we read the Gospels, it becomes pretty glaring that Peter is usually the first one to get up and speak and to say something. And sometimes when Peter, Peter, when Peter spoke, he speaks profound truth, and other times he sticks his foot in his mouth. A perfect example of this comes from Mark 8. We see, this, we see those, both sides of Peter in one chapter in Mark 8. One moment Peter's speaking truth, the next Jesus calls Peter Satan. In the middle of Mark 8, Jesus asks the disciples what the people are saying about him. He wants to hear kind of the scuttlebug. What's the crowd? What are the crowds saying about me? And so the disciples, they start chiming in. Well, some say, hey, Jesus, you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Others say you're a prophet. And then Jesus gets to the heart of the matter. He says, then Jesus asks the 12, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Peter Again, speaking for the whole group, says, you are the Messiah. I mean, that's truth. It's profound. It's undeniable truth. Peter is correct. He's right. Jesus was and he is the Messiah. We find Peter preaching this truth in our passage from Acts, that Jesus is the Messiah. The one whom you've crucified is the Messiah. But then, just in the next few verses, 
In Mark 8, Peter's mouth gets him in trouble. Jesus begins to share with the disciples and tell them that, hey, he's going to suffer. He's going to die, but he's going to be resurrected. The scripture says this. Jesus spoke plainly about this, and then Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. Now, Peter, you just called him the Messiah. And now you're going to take Jesus to the side and say, nope, you're wrong. I don't, you know, nope. Well, Jesus rebuked Peter and told Peter, get behind me, Satan. That's rough. I mean, if the Messiah is calling you Satan, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. In just a few verses in Mark 8, we get a a great snapshot of um, Peter's tendency to speak. Sometimes truth and sometimes uh, words that, that got him in trouble. So again, in one sense, it comes at no surprise that Peter is the one who got up after the events of Pentecost and gets up and explains to the crowd what this all means. But in another sense, you could consider it a complete surprise that Peter is the one speaking. One of the things that Peter is most famous for in the scriptures is that he denied Jesus three times. The night that Jesus was arrested, the night before he was crucified, on three separate occasions, Peter is asked by bystanders, Hey, aren't you one of Jesus' followers? Hey, aren't you one of those Galileans? Aren't you one of Jesus' disciples? And three times, Peter denies ever following Jesus, even knowing him. Now, we know later from the Gospels that Jesus, after the resurrection, appears specifically to Peter, and he asks him three times, "Uh, Do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And three times, Peter says, of course. I believe it's sort of Jesus' way of reinstating Peter as a disciple. But in these moments, the night that Jesus was arrested, here's a moment for Peter to profess his faith in Jesus. And instead of being confident in following Jesus, Peter denies him. So what's the difference? What is different in our passage from Acts than in the moment that Peter denies Jesus? What is different in this sermon from Peter than the many times that Peter puts his foot in his mouth? Here, in Acts 2, Peter speaks confidently and boldly in the face of doubters and questions, and he speaks truth that directly cuts to their heart. The Scripture says that the, the crowd, they were cut to their heart. What's different? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what's different. Peter, along with the other disciples, now have that promise of the Holy Spirit. They now have a power source that they didn't have before. They now have God's very self living inside of them, guiding them, giving them words to speak, and the confidence to speak them. Peter and the other disciples are now emboldened by the Holy Spirit. That's what's different. And Peter's sermon really is a bold sermon. He not only explains the Spirit coming down on Pentecost, but he also explains that this was a result of Jesus being crucified, being raised from the dead, and then giving the Holy Spirit upon the believers. The same Spirit that was living in Jesus, that was a part of Jesus, is now a part of all the followers of Jesus. 
And Peter confidently states what he did early on in Mark 8 when Jesus asked him, Who do you say that I am? Peter says to the crowd at Pentecost, Therefore let all Israel, all of the world, be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Messiah. Peter has come full circle. Who do you say that I am? Jesus, you're the Messiah. Denying him three times to now at Pentecost. This Jesus whom you crucified has been made Lord and Messiah. And because of this bold sermon and all that took place on Pentecost, later on in Acts 2, verse 41, it tells us, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. That's a good Sunday right there. 3,000. One, because of the Holy Spirit, but two, one person decided to get up and boldly speak the truth of Jesus. You see, while there is some great stuff in Peter's sermon, some great theology, some great explanation of the Old Testament prophecy, it's probably better suited and you'd appreciate it for an in-depth Bible study. I want you to see how and why this sermon took place to begin with. And the how and the why is simply the Holy Spirit. Peter is able to confidently and boldly and correctly preach the good news of Jesus primarily because he now has the Holy Spirit. The book of Acts is properly known as the Acts of the Apostles, but as I've already told you, I think it would be better entitled the Acts of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the main actor in this book. The Spirit is the one who is who emboldens and empowers the apostles to act. From this moment on in this sermon series, we're going to read and we're going to study and we're going to discover exactly how the Holy Spirit works and moves and did so in the early church. And what we learn from the sermon of of Peter's is that the, the Spirit gives us a boldness that we don't have on our own. The Spirit gives us a boldness that we do not have on our own. Now, I will say that some of us uh, in this room, others, we can be rather bold on a whole host of topics and subjects. Some of us can be awfully bold when it comes to politics and cultural issues, especially on social media when you don't have a face uh, staring back at you when you just got a screen. We can be bold when it comes to sports and the, our love of our favorite teams. Many marriages and friendships have been ruined because of our boldness and love of our teams. We can be bold when it comes to our knowledge of certain things, specifically when it deals with our area of expertise like our job or training or schooling. There are plenty of times when we can be bold. But what I see today, and I can be guilty of this as well, is that the church lacks a boldness when it comes to preaching and sharing the good news of Jesus. 
We sometimes favor contentment and complacency over boldness. We are so afraid of losing what we have that we might miss something even better. Peter risked being mocked, ridiculed, laughed at, even beaten because of his boldness. And he later experienced some of those things. But instead, because he was bold, because he risked all those things, 3,000 Jews put their hope and faith in Jesus as their Lord and Messiah. Peter's boldness through the Holy Spirit paid off. What we've got to come to realize, and I keep pounding this, is that we have that same Holy Spirit living inside of us. The Holy Spirit is capable of giving us the same boldness to speak the good news that Peter did. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Helen, I could never speak like Peter. I could never get up and speak uh, uh, in front of a, a group of people like you do. I just can't. And I get that. I totally, totally get that. I don't think everybody's meant to. I understand that not everyone has the same ability. Not everyone is called to preach or to speak to a big group of people. But there's two things that I want you to hear. One is this. When we speak and we tell others about Jesus... It is not us speaking, but it is the Holy Spirit speaking through us. When we speak and we tell others about Jesus, it's not us speaking, but it's the Holy Spirit speaking through us. You're right. We can't speak. You can't speak. We don't have the boldness to speak about Jesus. You don't have the boldness to speak about Jesus. We do get scared and nervous and uncertain, especially in front of groups of people. You do. I do. I've told several people early on in my ministry I couldn't eat before Sunday morning. Now I don't have that problem. Now my hands sometimes get cold. It's weird how the body reacts and how you change, but I still get nervous. But the Holy Spirit working and living inside of us can give us the boldness that we do not have on our own. The Holy Spirit working and living inside of us can give us words to speak that we don't have on our own. The Holy Spirit working and living inside of us can give us courage that we do not have on our own. That bravery that we heard about earlier. That's what's happening during this first Christian Pentecost and what was happening as Peter was speaking this sermon in our passage. The Holy Spirit was doing its thing in the lives of those followers of Jesus and in the life of Peter. And when we get ready, when we get ready to speak and to share the good news of Jesus, we can be confident that the Holy Spirit is going to do its thing in us. And if not, then there's a faith issue. It's a trust issue. If we're not willing to, to take that step of faith, then there's a faith issue. If, we're, if we don't truly believe that the Holy Spirit will help us and embolden us. Here's the second thing I want you to hear. Preach Jesus, and if necessary, use words. Preach Jesus, and if necessary, 
use words. If you think you've heard that before, you probably have. I, I didn't come up with it. It's attributed to Francis of Assisi. But the idea is that sometimes when we preach about Jesus, we don't have to use words. If the thought of speaking to someone or to several someones about your faith seems like a daunting task, just remember that our actions often speak louder than our words. Living a life that reflects the image of Jesus can be the best sermon ever preached. I am praying that Monday through Saturday, you are preaching far better sermons than you hear on Sunday simply by the way you're living your life. Case in point, this weekend, some of you may have seen my Facebook post from yesterday, but it was about our youth mission trip in Atlanta this weekend. Been in contact with them. I sent Tripp and Paige a text yesterday and just to kind of see how things were going, making sure everybody survived whitewater. I was a little worried about that. I uh, didn't want anybody to drown. That wouldn't have been good. Um, Thursday, they traveled up to Atlanta. Friday, they had a fun day. They went to whitewater. And Saturday was their day of service. And I knew that they were going to work with a homeless ministry. But the text that I got back from Tripp made me so proud of our leaders and our youth. The group was generously given $200 to spend on a treat uh, for some kind of treat for the group, for themselves. Turns out, the group decided to take that money and use it to serve others while on their trip. They went to a nearby mall and there proceeded to buy items that people were about to purchase. And by doing so, they were able to explain why they were doing it. Loving people because of the love of Jesus. And they were able to pray with several different people throughout the mall that day. You know, we may never know the true impact of their actions. But here's the thing. These 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th, and 10th graders demonstrated a boldness that I don't believe was their own. Now, I know some of them, and they can be bold. But this boldness was different. It was for Jesus. And it didn't involve a lot of words, although I'm sure words were, were spoken. But it was mostly through action and doing. It was faith expressing itself in action. And that's, that's what we're called to do as well. And it could be as simple as inviting someone over for dinner. All of us, I hope, I hope this is the case, all of us should know someone who is not a Christian or is not involved with the church. I hope you do. I hope your circle of influence includes someone that doesn't know Jesus. Because God has put them in your life for a reason. And so... It could be as simple as inviting someone over to dinner or going out to eat with them. There is nothing like sharing and eating at the table together. We see Jesus doing that constantly throughout the Gospels. He showed us the way. And I'm, I'm always up for eating. Or, or write someone a note. Send them a text. Send them a Facebook message. I don't know. Whatever. Encourage them. Encourage someone. There are so many different ways we can share Jesus without having to put together a sermon or a speech. 
when you're ready, the Holy Spirit will give you a boldness that you don't have on your own to not only speak about Jesus, but to act like Jesus. And what should give us even more boldness and confidence to speak God's truth is knowing that we are not alone. We're not alone. Not only is the Holy Spirit with us, giving us the words to speak and the boldness to speak them, but we are surrounded by each other. We have each other. That's part of the church. And with each other, we have the confidence and the boldness to go and share the good news. I want you to see something that stuck out to me when I was studying this passage. When I started, I, I, mean, I was focusing on, on I mean, this, this amazing sermon and, and the 3,000 being saved. I mean, you know, what, what preacher wouldn't ignore that? I mean, you know. But then God showed me something before Peter even begins to speak. Not only did Peter have the Holy Spirit, but he had the disciples with him. Listen to Acts, the very first verse. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Often I'm up here by myself. Can you imagine if, you, if I had eleven people, shoulder to shoulder, standing with me? Preaching the good news of Jesus. Because that's what Peter had. The other disciples, they were standing with Peter. Peter spoke with not only the power of the Holy Spirit, but with the power of his brothers in Christ. You see, we are not in this thing by ourselves. We are not supposed to follow Christ by ourselves. We have each other and we need each other. We need each other and we need the Holy Spirit. You see, with the boldness that comes from Christ through the Holy Spirit, I am confident in saying that when we have each other and when we have the Holy Spirit, we can do anything. Peter is proof of that. The book of Acts is proof of that. Many of our own experiences are proof of that. Many of you have experienced what the church can do when we are united together through the Holy Spirit. We're unstoppable. We're unstoppable. So this morning, I just want us to pray. That may not sound like a whole lot, but prayer is powerful. Prayer is real. I want us to pray that we will find that boldness that comes through the gift of the Holy Spirit. That we would quit relying on our strength. Man, I'm guilty of that. Gosh. That we would quit relying on our own strength and rely on the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit. And that we would not do it by ourselves, but we would do it together as the body of Christ. With God, nothing is impossible. And we need to be able to claim that boldly. Amen. Heavenly Father, God, we just simply pray. We come to you praying that each of us would find that boldness through your spirit. God, we, we can be bold about a lot of things, but sometimes we fail to be bold about the love 
the love of Jesus. Father, forgive us. Where we, when we have la- allowed complacency to set in, help us to find that boldness through your Spirit. Help us to invite somebody over for dinner. Help us to write a note to someone. Help us to, to reach out to those around us. We don't know what Jesus has done for all of us, for the whole world. Fill us with your Spirit. Embolden us through your Spirit. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.